You'll find on the back table this evening some outlines from last week, today, and for those of you who didn't get the set of the last 10 weeks, I have a few of those. You may ask me for them. There's also a page back there that gives the full statement that Jonathan Edwards wrote when he was 20 about a 13-year-old girl named Sarah Pierpont. I encourage all of you women, mothers and daughters, to get that and read it and to consider it as a very godly goal for our wives and our daughters. Amen. To be holy, pious women like that description. Amen. When she was 13 years old, they were married three years later, and she lived according to that all of her life. There are many testimonies to that fact, that she was the ideal and perfect mother and wife. But it began with a fear of the Lord and a relationship with God that is second to none. And for all of you young men that want to see a good description of a great woman, that's a great woman in the earth when you can read about a woman and her fear of the Lord. Let us pray. O Lord, I beseech Thee in the name of Thy holy child, Jesus, that You will give us the same conviction tonight that we had this morning. Amen. Let nothing be said or done that would distract or detract from what we heard this morning. Let us go from this place this day committed in our hearts to be men and women of prayer and that we will seek Thee in prayer not for our carnal or worldly or material or physical betterment, but to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and in all spiritual blessings and in that precious walk of fellowship with Thee. Let that be the chief desire of our souls. Have mercy upon us now and bless us as we open Your Word. We thank You for it. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Charlie made a very good point about the Word of God before I open it on the subject of prayer. Is the Word of God that you hold in your hands, Charlie, equal to the Word of God that you held in your hands six months ago? It is. It hasn't changed. There's been no decline in its value. We have spoken before, and for those of you who read the papers at all, Bill Gates is professedly the wealthiest man on planet Earth. But in the last six months, his wealth has been cut in half. Really? He was worth $100 billion six months ago. $100 billion. You can't count it. You can't think about it. You couldn't spend it if you tried. You could, buy all the, you could buy nations, gobs of nations. You could buy continents, and you'd still have it left over to spend somewhere else. But riches are not forever, right. and that's, a word, that's the word of the Lord. Amen. And he's been cut in half because the Justice Department is going to break his company up and it will not be the same and the market has already reflected that prospect and he's down now with some of his competitors with much smaller companies and the whole point of that is the richest man on earth could not keep his riches they're only half of what they were six months ago and we have the word of God the treasure that you spoke of which I love to hear that and it's the same And if we're reading it and studying it and praying for the Holy Ghost to teach it to us, it's better because it's growing. 
and I love to see the Taylors in the back row. They came back from their trip to be here for this evening's service, and God sees that, and I see it, and I hope that all of you see it, and it's an encouragement to your hearts. We had a great time this morning. We're sorry that you weren't here. Brethren, I don't want to take away anything from this morning, but it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I've been preaching on righteousness. This morning we dealt with some examples that I think provoked you to fervency in praying. I just want to take a little time and look at the effectual nature of true prayer, some of the things that the Bible tells us that characterize the prayer, the prayer men, the prayer champions of the Bible. And I want to do that without taking away from the fervency that we were so excited about this morning. Let's look at the person of prayer. That is the prayer himself. In Ephesians 6.18, where we began this morning, we read that it said there, praying always with all prayer and supplication, prepositional phrase, what was it? In the Spirit. In the Spirit. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now how simple can I make this? Look at chapter 2 and verse 18 of the same book. Ephesians 2.18. This is about Jesus Christ who reconciled us all to God by His cross. Verse 16. And it says in verse 18, For through Him we both have access, that's Jews and Gentiles, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. When we pray to get to that throne room of God and to have our prayers ascend into His holy presence, it's by the Spirit of God. It is not just us mouthing the right words at the right time of day. It's not us just putting on the armor of God. It's us praying and living and walking in the Spirit so that that Spirit is working and assisting and blessing our prayers. And we are not talking about a little spirit. We are talking about the Holy Spirit of the Holy God. The Spirit that I mentioned this morning moved on the face of the waters. In Genesis chapter 1. We are to pray in the Spirit. We go to Jude, verse 20, it says, Praying in the Holy Ghost. There's that little prepositional phrase again. Praying should be done in the Holy Ghost. Now look at Romans chapter 8 to see the importance of it. I've said it this morning, but I want you to see it in print before you what the Lord wants us to know about the assistance that the Spirit can offer our prayers. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Are you thankful for that? Amen. You ever go to... to do a prayer and feel your infirmities? Yes. Do I need to help? How about tiredness? How about a mind that's easily distracted? Yes. Sound familiar? Yes. I hate it. It's an infirmity. Who loves infirmities? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not, and here's one of them, we know not what we should pray for as we ought. You say, well, I know quite a... I don't care how wise you are or how noble, you don't know how to pray for things as you ought. But the Spirit itself, 
maketh intercession for us Amen. with groanings which cannot be uttered. Amen. Can we get excited about a verse like that? Amen. Yeah. The Holy Spirit of God. This isn't a verse to give to the charismatics. This isn't a verse to ignore because we don't understand it. This is a verse that tells us that the Holy Spirit of God that was able to move on the face of the waters and bring about by the direction of the voice of God the creation of all things prays for us, intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. They're beyond human language. There are groanings that God himself understands and knows and the Spirit of God prays for us when we're praying in the Holy Ghost. Romans 8.26 is not a promise for all of us when we're not praying. That we don't have to worry about prayer because the Holy Spirit will do it for us. It's not about us praying when we're in the flesh. The Holy Spirit isn't praying for us. I'll show you one horrifying verse in just a minute about when you're in the flesh and if you know better. But let's, let's leave that just for a minute. I want to talk about praying in the Holy Ghost. Verse 27 says, And he that searcheth the hearts, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God our Father, both do that, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Therefore, and I, this is just a little sidetrack, if you're praying for something earnestly, and you get a different answer than you were expecting, the Holy Ghost prayed for a different answer because there is a reason. Amen. Because he prays for saints according to the will of God. Yep. But what I want you to really grab a hold of and remember is that the Holy Spirit, the living, the true and living God, prays for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Amen. However, when he's doing that, and you have been praying in the Holy Spirit, do you know that he's doing that? Have you ever known that that's taking place when you have been praying in the Spirit? Do you feel, oh, Jonathan Crosby's going to use that word? Do you feel within you, within your soul, when you're walking with the Spirit of God, that there is an enablement and a power that is assisting your words, and you know it while you're praying? Now you say, you're getting a little mystical on us. Okay, then stay in the same chapter and let's look at verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Do you ever cry, Abba, Father, or speak to God as your Father, and you're doing it in a way that you know that it is flowing out of your insides? If you don't, on what basis are you born again? Because if you're born again, God the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Right. And if you say, well, I know I'm born again, then I'm going to tell you that you're walking in the flesh. Because if you're walking in the Spirit, when you're praying, there is out of your insides the Abba Father feelings and words and love for the Lord himself. Right. Because that's what the Spirit is there for. And all of you who've been there know that. And what's so precious, what, what is so specific about what I'm talking, speaking of here is when it's gone is when you know it the most. Right. Do, you, do you know what I'm, when it's gone, 
You know those seasons of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord? When you just know you're in the Spirit and the Spirit is blessing your prayers, you're all alone. And He's blessing your praying. When that goes away and your prayers become dry, then you know what I'm talking about. Then you want to beg the Lord for it again and you want to search yourself to see where you're walking in the flesh. The Bible says, if we live in the Spirit, which we do if we're born again, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit is this simple. Galatians 5 in 10 verses tells us things we are to put off and things we're to put on. There's two ways you can walk. You can walk according to your flesh, giving in to its lusts. Or you can put them off and say, I am not going to do that. And you also have within, within you not only a fleshly desire for those things listed there, adultery, murder, hatred, deceit, and the rest of drunkenness, and all those sins which are works of the flesh, you also have within you the Spirit of God that is speaking to you a different set of things, and that is walking, you choose. I am not going to do those things. I am going to love. I am going to be joyful. And you, and you know that from within inside you, it's saying it, and the, whole, the same Holy Spirit wrote this Bible. And he tells you to do those things, and so you choose that course of action. Right. It is not more mystical than that in Galatians 5. Now it gets a little mystical with the verse I just read to you. But the only way you can get to Romans 8.15 is to go through Galatians 5, where the Apostle Paul just plainly says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's an imperative direction for us. Don't walk in the flesh. Cut off all those things. He lists them all for you. Then he tells you what it's like to walk in the Spirit, and you choose those things. I'm going to be long-suffering today. I'm going to be good today. I'm going to be patient today by the power that you're giving me. You're directing me to do that. I'm going to obey it. And as you do that, you're going to be crying, Abba, Father. You know, Galatians has it too. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6. He sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Same thing, Galatians 4, 6. First thing we do is we walk in the Spirit by obeying that inward voice that is telling us to love another. That's telling us not to walk in the flesh. It's a choice we make every day. We're going to walk out of here and make it tonight. We're going to make it tomorrow. The minute, the minute that we see something over here that's fleshly and we want it, and we give place to the devil and let him seduce us, and we take a step over there and sin, we have just grieved the Spirit of God. All of a sudden, Abba Father is a small voice. It's a weak voice. You have quenched the power that a brother got up here tonight and talked about. You have grieved a person who is God himself, the Holy Spirit. You have offended him. You have hurt him by your sin. As soon as you do that, he withdraws his power and blessing. And he, you want sin? You want the flesh? He says to the believer, go ahead. But he keeps reminding us and convicting us from time to time. But he can also let us go and have our heart's desire. You don't want manna? You want quail? I'll give you quail for a while. And pretty soon you're dull. You're lifeless. You're bored. You're out of fellowship with the Lord. You're dead. You have a lean soul. How do you get out of that? Repent! Repent and confess your sins. Repent. 
If you're not as excited as I am or some of the others in here, if you don't know what I'm talking about, repent and confess your sins and hate everything on the list that makes up the flesh. And love these things over here. You've already got the ability inside you. And you take a step in that direction, and God the Holy Spirit will burn a little brighter. You take another step in that direction, He'll burn a little brighter. And when you pray way over here in the Spirit, you will know that you're praying in the Holy Ghost. Because you will feel from your insides the blessing of that personal presence within you assisting you toward God. It starts with Abba Father, but it goes beyond that to a great blessing and communion where you know that you're wrestling with the Most High and that He loves you and that you love Him. When you get down to pray and you've been walking in the Spirit, you don't go to that prayer boldly or foolishly. You go letting that Spirit with inside, inside lead you in your prayer, bringing things to your remembrance, blessing you and uttering them to God. And he's going beyond that and uttering it in language we can't even speak. And you always pray according to the Word of God, which is the personal letter from the Spirit of God to us as to what the will of God is. Mm -hmm. So if you're walking in the Spirit and you're letting that Spirit of God lead you in your praying while you're wrestling with the Lord and you're praying according to the express will of the Spirit, which is in the Scriptures, you are praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. The more you pray in the Holy Ghost, you will not need me explaining anything about it. That's right. And some I worry about. Because what I'm talking about right now is not a science, as we call it. Right. It's not an art either. It's a gift from God. Amen. The Holy Spirit is His gift from God, and so I've just exhausted the limits of my ability to describe it. All we do is hate the flesh, and we walk in the Spirit... And we let that spirit move us from the inside and we let that Abba Father come out of us and let him lead us in our prayers and pray according to the will of God that is expressed clearly in the scriptures. And you are praying in the spirit. And the more you do that, if we become true wrestlers with God in prayer this way, you will not need me to tell you about it. And when it leaves, you'll be one sorry individual and hopefully you'll repent and confess your sins and seek it again. And brethren, I have not attained unto what I want. Don't you dare think that about me. I am preaching to all of us right now. Anything short of what I'm talking about, we have not attained what the Lord expects for all of his saints. Praying in the Holy Ghost. There's so many things that I know that you already know. The effectual fervent prayer of a, what kind of man? Righteous man. It is a man that does the things that please the Lord that gets his prayers answered. 1 John 3.22 If your prayers aren't getting answered, you you should search your life and find out where you are not pleasing the Lord. And you know I could turn to so many verses. Do you know what the Lord says in Proverbs? He says, the prayer of the wicked is an abomination. You say an abomination? You mean it's not? I'm praying. That's good, isn't it? If you're wicked and you think that you can live the life of a hypocrite and pray to God, your prayer is an abomination to Him because He wants your repentance first, then your prayer, not your prayer without the repentance. That's presuming on God's mercy. For you to come to Him and be asking Him to do something for you when you flagrantly disobeyed Him and you're not willing to confess it, the prayer of the wicked is an abomination to God. 
I want to tell you something. I, I set it aside a moment ago. If you are walking in the flesh and trying to pray, do you know what the Holy Spirit becomes? He is not... He is not your friend, and he is not enabling you, and he is not speaking with groanings which cannot be uttered. He is your enemy. Isaiah 6, I'll just read it to you. Isaiah 63, 10, they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Don't we have that in the New Testament? Grieve the Holy Spirit. They vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy, and he fought against them. Now, isn't that a great way to go to prayer? You're down there, rest, you think you're wrestling with God, and you get up after a week and you say, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I just tried what he preached on Sunday, and it didn't work a bit. In fact, things got worse. Well, I just told you why it got worse. Because you rebelled, and you wouldn't confess and repent, and seek a holiness in your life, he'll turn to be your enemy. That is not the way to pray. You want to pray in the Holy Ghost, when the Holy Spirit is aiding you and is your intercessor with God. That's a big difference. And it depends on whether we walk in the flesh or we walk in the Spirit. Amen. You say, is there more to having that Holy Spirit assisting my prayer? Yes, there is. The first thing you do when you get down and you've praised and exalted the Most High God who rules in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and you have blessed His name and thanked Him for every good thing He's done for you and you've especially thanked Him for the Lord Jesus Christ, His holy child Jesus, who gave His life for you, then you beg Him for the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, verse 13. That's what you do. If you don't know what I'm talking about, beg Him for the Holy Spirit and say, Show me yourself. Lord, come to me. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. It is the Spirit of God's Son. Do you want to have fellowship and communion with Jesus Christ Himself? It is by His Spirit. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, do the things we just read in God's Word, trusting Him by faith, but then beg Him for the Holy Spirit. I want that kind of utterings going on with my prayers. I'm going to be. I have been. I'll continue to do it. I want the Holy Spirit praying with me, not against me. Brethren, I want to tell you to delight delight yourself in the Lord. I know you know that it's one of my pet verses in the Bible. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And I want to tell you, I hope that your heart's desires are nothing carnal or worldly tonight, but they're spiritual. Those are the ones he wants to fulfill first. You know, if if you'll come to the point where you can truly be satisfied with his spiritual blessings, he'll give you the rest. He wants you to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Then he'll add those things to you. We get it so reversed because we're so carnally minded, we're asking to consume it on our lust. James chapter 4. Delight thyself in the Lord. He loves someone delighting in him, don't we? Someone delights in me, I'll, I'll do something for you. I know it's too hard. But we can do it for the Lord because he's easy to delight in. The person of prayer, praying in the Holy Ghost, he prays righteously, he delights in the Lord, he's fervent. Remember, Hezekiah wept sore. i got to move on. Fervent. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He wept sore. Boldness. We're to come boldly to the throne of grace. We're to get down at our chair or whatever you, whatever prop you have. I have a chair. 
Uh, sometimes I like those legs because I pretend they're not the legs of a chair. And I, you, you've heard that. I just, that's where I pray. Wherever you choose to pray, when you go to that place, go boldly because you are at the throne of grace. You are in heaven itself by being trans, transported there by the Spirit of God so that you're in, the, the incense of your prayers are coming up around his holy throne and be bold. Because we're told that in the book of Hebrews, we're to boldly come unto the throne of grace. Because Jesus Christ made it that open for us. There is no hindrance. There's nothing between us and God. Nothing. He is our heavenly father. We are his sons and daughters. If you're some lonely girl that's wondering if God even knows about you, you are his daughter. And you're a king and a priest. You're royal priesthood. Don't be discouraged. Go to prayer boldly. Be like Abraham, who when God told him that the city of Sodom was about to be born up and he had dear relatives there who hadn't treated him very well, but he still loved them because he was walking in the Spirit, he wrestled with God and worked that number down to ten. And you say, well, it wasn't enough. He should have worked it down to two or one. Yes, he should have. But I want to tell you something about a man that prays boldly like that. You're, you're still in Genesis 18. Sodom didn't get burned up until Genesis 19. Do you know what the Bible tells us there in Genesis 19? Because God loved Abraham for the way he had prayed, and there wasn't ten in the city of Sodom that would have saved it, he led Abraham's relatives out by the hand. Right. Now, did Abraham still get his answer to prayer? Amen. Yes, he did. And I'm, I'm sorry that I have failed to point that out as forcefully in the past as I should have. We, we enjoy looking at God saying, if there's 50, I'll save it. And Abraham gets courageous and said, how about 40? And God says, if there's 40, I'll save it. And Abraham says, well, I've already stepped out on a limb now. Let's go for 30. And he does that all the way down to 10. And we get excited about his boldness. But what I really want to tell you is about the mercy of God, because he didn't find 10 there, but he still saved the relatives Amen. that Abraham loved. Is that God's goodness in answering prayer? Right. And that's because he was bold. God saw that Abraham wanted to save his nephew Lot. And he, he had to drag them out of that city. First right. Peter 5 tells us in verse 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. Now I could read those words to myself for five minutes and still enjoy them at the end of five minutes. They're precious words. When you come in prayer, you should come humbly. That's to get down and put God up. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Do you like those kind of words? Amen. Do you want to pray to someone mighty? Amen. Then get down and lift him up. And do you know what it says? That he may exalt you in due time. Right. You say, when's due time? That's right, it's his time. Amen. It's not your time. But if you'll get down and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. You are the mighty God. But I need this. I need your blessing. I need your Holy Spirit but I'm going to wait on you, and I'm not going to leave, and I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I promise you something. I promise you something that's more true than gravity. Amen. He'll exalt you in due time. Amen. And I read in the next verse, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Anyone here tonight have cares? Amen. We all have cares. Right. You have cares? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he'll exalt you in due time. You say, I don't believe it, then don't pray. Right. It's a waste of time. You need to pray believing. You know how I meant that. 
You better believe everything I'm telling you right now because it's from the Word of God. This is, this is effectual prayer. Effectual prayer means you get down, you lift God up. Don't you like telling Him how great He is? He is great! Did you hear that prayer in Acts chapter 4? They didn't jump right into evangelism, did they? What did they start out with? God that made the heavens and the earth. Well, now, He knows that. Weren't those saints taught in the point of creation? Why did they start with creation? Why do you, that's the glory of God. Why do you think He ever created because He wants us to glory in it. The Lord hath made all things for Himself. He wants us to tell Him what a great job He did. And He did. Did you, did you notice that? That's a, they were spiritually concerned about the spread of the gospel. But you know what they did? They talked about creation. They jumped to Psalm 2, invoked a promise of God about His Son. Then they brought up the Holy Child Jesus and said they're picking on your Holy Child Jesus. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. That's too good. There's only, there's only one name to pray in, brethren. It's not your pastor, and it's not your grandfather, and it's not a saint. It's not anything. It's not Mary. Mary, are you kidding me? She needs prayer as much as we do. It's the name of her and God's holy child, Jesus. You need to pray believing. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. We know that. You pray without believing, don't let that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. How should you pray? You should pray, be careful for nothing. You have something that's causing you a lot of care, a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety in your life. You're supposed to pray, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. If you do it properly, if you do this properly, in the Spirit, praying, Lord, I have some big problems. Here they are. I thank you for all the good things you've done for me. I'm turning it all over to you. I'm not going to be careful. The next verse says, And the peace of God that passes understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A peace that passes understanding. Any worldling in the same situation fries, pulls a gun, blows his brains out. We pray, say life is wonderful. We're still praising God even though we've got great problems. He'll deliver, but he wants us to be carefree. Because if you're worrying about it, what is it saying? I don't trust him. I don't believe. Brethren, I I know about worrying. I was given a full deck on that subject. No, I don't mean that. I mean inside. I can worry with the best of them. But I don't want to. I want a carefree life. Keep, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in the Lord Jehovah. We aren't Jehovah's witnesses. We're Jehovah's children. Amen. There's poison, though, that can destroy your prayers. If you don't confess your sins, your prayers are not going to be heard. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, do you know the rest? The Lord will not hear me. plugs up his ears. You're going to live in sin. You're not going to confess it. He's going to plug up his ears. Let me give you another text. Look at Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. Can't the Lord hear me? Maybe he can't. Maybe he won't. Maybe you've made it so that he doesn't want to hear your prayers. He doesn't like people who, when he calls on them to live a certain way, won't. 
But then they want to call on him to do something for them. The book of Proverbs is filled with that. And so were the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. He said, I called on you, and you didn't want to heed my, when I was calling. Well, when you call on me, I'm not going to heed either. You say, that's harsh. No, that sounds very fair to me. Right. That sounds incredibly fair. That he hadn't annihilated them yet sounds merciful. Look at Isaiah 59, verse 1. Behold. Does that word mean anything to you? Behold. The Lord's hand is not shortened. Can it reach down into your life? Amen. Can it? Yes. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Right. He looks like this when it comes to you. Because you've shortened his hand. But if you'll repent and confess your sins, he will come. You shut up his ears. We shut up his ears. I shut up his ears. It's back to walking in the Spirit and doing righteousness and pleasing Him in our lives. He'll hear our prayers. It's very simple. You either know that you have sinned or you don't. If you don't know if you've sinned, then that can be one of your prayer requests. Lord, search me. Oh God, and try me. Know my thoughts. Try my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. If you have any doubts about it. If you, if you do that prayer fervently, He'll show you if there's anything there. And if there's not, you'll have peace. You say, I tried it for five seconds and I didn't get peace. Well, try it for five minutes. You can't... It's. Let's not play with God. If you're serious about him, wanting Him to reveal things in your life, fervently beg Him to reveal it, and He will. Because these verses are horrifying. You can be praying and nothing happens. Because he will not hear. He can always hear. But he, ability-wise, he can always hear. But he may choose not to because you have sin in your life. You know, the Bible tells us that you have not because you ask to consume it upon your own lusts. Make sure when you're praying, you're praying for something that's holy and righteous and good and godly, not just to further your interests in this world. You say, is praying for my marriage asking God amiss? Are you kidding? But you better tell him why it's important to you. Not just for you to be happy, but because you want to leave a godly seed in the earth. Amen. Amen. Big difference. Yep. And we can all do that. You know, Israel once asked for quail and they got it, didn't they? Yep. We don't want God answering petitions like that. If our marriages aren't good and our other relationships aren't good, God's not going to answer our prayers. Remember we, 1 Peter 3, 7? Husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as to the weaker vessel, that your prayers be not hindered. Being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. 1 Peter 3, 7. Jesus would go on to say that we're supposed to pray, Father, forgive us as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Right. So therefore, your relationships with others had better be filled with love, forgiveness, and overlooking their faults. Because when you come before the Most High God, you want Him treating you the same way. And if you've been picky, critical, hatred and bitterness, you know what He says? To the merciful, I will show myself merciful. Right. 
to the froward, I will show myself froward. Daniel 55. Psalms 55. You'd have been looking a long time for Daniel 55. Psalm 55. So would I. That is one way to lengthen a sermon. Psalm 55. But I wanted to include Daniel because I want to ask you, how many times a day did Daniel pray? Does everyone know that? Did all of his peers in the kingdom of Babylon and Persia know that? Yes, they did. Could they find any other fault with Daniel? None. Did they know what time he'd do it? Was it a habit? Was he disciplined about it? Did he pray scripturally? What direction did he face? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Who started that? God did way back in the book of books of Moses, but Solomon reinforced it when he prayed, when he dedicated that glorious temple. He said, Lord, if we're ever captive in a foreign land and you've destroyed this nation for their sins, if we turn and face this place, will you still honor the foundation by hearing those prayers? And the Lord sent a big column of fire straight down into heaven and sucked up the sacrifices on a 900 square foot altar. And Solomon said, Amen. It was beautiful and glorious. And when Daniel was in Babylon, he would go three times to his room and open those windows and pray facing Jerusalem. Wouldn't you like to have all the communication with angels that Daniel had? Amen. Was the Lord close to him? Sure. The angel arrives and said, while you were still speaking, I was sent on the journey, but it took me a while getting here. But I just want you to know, while you were praying, I was coming as fast as I could. Have you ever read stuff like that? That's Daniel. Right. What a man. And you know what? He's one of God's five champions. Prays three times a day. You say, I got a job. I couldn't do it. What? You sure do take breaks and take a lunch break. We can do whatever we want to. You know, you know that's true? You can do whatever you want to do. And if you really wanted to seek the Lord, you'd seek the Lord. Yes. And I'm just praying for the Lord to take these, this preaching today. I don't care if, as long as you remember enough to pray scripturally, I hope that conviction stays that you'll do it. Right. Let's not be hearers. Let's be doers of the word. You know, we've looked into the perfect law of liberty today, and we've looked at ourselves in the mirror, and you know what the mirror says? You don't pray enough. But if we go from this place, and we don't pray more, we have forgotten that we've got sleep dirt in the corner of our eyes, our hair is standing on end, and there's two zits that need to be popped. Because that's what that whole... I know. I've got a problem with language, but you know what I mean. You look... the. The Bible says you look at it like a man getting up in the morning and he knows he's got, he needs to comb his hair, clean his face, wash it, and then go on his way. But he looks, he says, you're ugly, and he goes on his way without doing anything. But we've looked in the mirror today and it has said, you don't pray enough. Right. And let's make sure we go out to pray more. That's what concerns me. Three times a day, Psalm 55, verse 17. Verse 16, let's get the, a little bit of context. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. That, does that sound like the, the God that hears and answers prayer, Jim? Amen. <laughs> Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Amen. Is David good company to be in? You're gonna, you, they're gonna think you strange. Anybody catches you praying at noon, they're gonna think you're a Muslim or something. They're gonna be looking around for that little piece of carpet. If they catch you praying at noon. But you're in good company. You're in the company of Daniel and David. They prayed three times a day. 
How about early in the morning? Psalm 5.3 says this, right there a few pages away. Psalm 5.3, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. But you know what? We sleep till the last minute, smashing that snooze a couple times. We don't want to move. That the worst moment of the day is making the first move of the day. But if we would make the first move of the day and get out and take some time in the morning, because if you don't do it then, all the activities of the day crowd it out and steal your time. Here it is. I will, I will do it in the morning before that can happen. Everyone that exercises knows about that. If you do it in the morning, you get it over with. You don't have to worry about it the rest of the day. Exercising for your physical body. Are you kidding me? Compared to this? Can we let them even compete with each other? Can we include them in the same paragraph or on the same page? Prayer in the morning. Lord, Psalm 5.3, In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Instead of looking out at all the things we need to do, I will look up unto the hills from whence cometh my strength and my help. That's what we should be doing. Look at Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 about the Lord Jesus Himself. Every, every, I don't have time to take you to all the verses about the Lord Jesus Christ praying, but they impressed me so much because in my little way of reasoning, I don't understand why He needed to pray compared to me. But He did. He was a man of prayer, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. In Mark 1.35, let's look at this. Mark 1.35 and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. That's our Lord Jesus. Amen. Into a solitary place and prayed. And it wasn't 6.30. It was a great while before day. The Bible says that we can weep. It adds to our prayers. The Lord saw the tears of Hezekiah. He said that. We saw the tears of Hannah. I have to move on. I'd love to stay right there. Just meditate on that verse right there. Mark one thirty-five. The Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be like Him. We're His disciples. He gave us the example, the greatest example of all, better than David and Daniel. But there he is, early in the morning, looking up to God, looking for strength for his life. Fasting, weeping, adds to your prayers. We even read it in the New Testament that men, that a husband and a wife can make an arrangement to give themselves to fasting and to prayer and to restrain themselves from physical pleasure. That, that sounds like a, like a different character, doesn't it? To actually think of husbands and wives making compacts where they won't for a certain period of time in order to give themselves to fasting and prayer. Those are some pious people. And I'm not reading the works of the Puritans. I'm reading 1 Corinthians 7, 5, and he was writing that to one pitiful church. There was his instruction. He just presumed that men and women were doing it. If you go back and look at the context, it's about marriage and the physical relationship. It's not about prayer and fasting. He's just presuming that men do that. They deny themselves their wives in order to seek God because it's in the Old Testament. Remember when God came down on Mount Sinai? 
He said, Don't let your men come at your wives for three days before I come and meet you. I want you sober and serious with no pleasure. Paul just assumes it in 1 Corinthians 7, 5. That's how I like to read the word of God because that wasn't his point there, but he mentions it just in passing. And I wonder if he could assume it about us. We can kneel. Kneeling is scriptural. Solomon kneeled. The apostle Paul kneeled several times in the book of Acts. Prayer creates a great temptation to pray to be heard of men and to be seen of men. Pharisees love public prayer, but they don't do much in the way of private prayer. And the Lord warned us about that. This is praying you want to do in secret. And do you know what my Lord Jesus Christ promises if you'll pray in secret? He's your Lord Jesus Christ too, but I want to call him mine. I hope you're not offended. Do you know what he says? I'll reward you openly. <laughs> now, do you want to be seen doing the praying with no answer? Or do you just want to see a whole lot of answers coming down on you? Because you've been praying in secret. I'll choose the latter. B for me, not A. Some people like to be seen praying with no answers because he's not going to answer. Do you know what he says? They have their reward. That's right. But if we pray in secret, he'll reward us openly. Isn't that better? Amen. I could show you numerous places where Jesus would go apart and pray privately. And that's what I've emphasized today. I'm not talking about public prayer, family prayer, prayer at meals, prayer with prayer partners. That Those are all good. But the first praying that we ought to do is personally by ourselves that no one else knows about except the Lord himself. The other can flow from that. Right. Do prayers need to be long? No. They sure don't need to be. Jesus said the heathen think they're going to be heard for their much speaking. But you know what? It's not wrong to pray long either. You want to really show the Lord that you're wrestling? Hold on all night. Don't let go. Hezekiah's prayer wasn't very long. One verse. But I've read about Moses interceding for Israel on two occasions for 40 days. He was one of the five. Yes, of course. 40 days gets you into that category. When you miss five Sundays and I inquire about your absence and, you, and you're in prayer, you can be number six. And I, I don't want to jest about it, but that's serious praying. Do you know what happens to us? After 40 seconds, our minds are on something else too many times. Four minutes, and we think it's a long prayer and our knees are hurting. 40 minutes, you're sound asleep. You say you're ridiculing praying people. No, I'm just looking at the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, who in the Garden of Gethsemane at the Savior's deepest, darkest hour, they couldn't watch and pray with him for a short period of time because he came back three times in one night. It wasn't that long. They couldn't stay awake. And we all know the infirmity of our flesh. But do you know what I'm thankful for? There's a Spirit of God that knows the infirmity of my flesh, according to Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, and he helps us. Right. Remember, we read that already. Can't read it again, but I hope that it's sticking there. He'll help. A fervent prayer can be short, as Hezekiah's was, from your soul with wrenching fervency to the Lord that you are desperate for him and that you love him and that you need this desperately. He knows that. He wants to hear it from us and see it from us. Remember, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. He said to Hezekiah, 
In your prayers, make sure you include praise. You look anywhere in the Bible and prayers include praise and the lifting up of God. Make sure that in your prayers you have thanksgiving. We've already looked at that tonight. I could turn you to numerous passages. Make sure in your prayers you're confessing your sins. These are basic rules of praying. The Lord's Prayer is a great little outline of the things I'm saying right now. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What is that? That's praise. Then there's a confession of sins. Forgive us as we forgive those that sin against us. You know, I can read oftentimes, especially Daniel, it would say in his prayers that he was confessing the sins of his people, the whole nation. You know, we can. Have you? When was the last time you confessed the sins of your family, your children, or the rest of this church? That ought to be part of our praying. Right. Daniel, while I was a praying and confessing the sins of my people, God came to him and spoke to him. What can we pray for? Job prayed for his children. What a godly man! If we if we have the dedication to prayer where we're praying for our children, I believe that other things will be prayed for also. I just think that's a great example of a perfect man in the earth, Job in Job 1.5. And I hope it's something that every father in here will take up as a personal challenge from the Word of God to pray for their children. And let's go ahead and add our wives and let's be intercessory prayers for our entire families. We are the men. We are the head of the wife and of our children. And the Lord Jesus Christ is our head. And before Him, we ought to be praying for and confessing the sins of our whole family. Pray for wisdom. Doesn't the Bible offer wisdom to you if you need it? Amen. James 1.5. Pray for the Holy Spirit. We've already mentioned that. I gave you Luke 11.13 on the Holy Spirit. Listen to this verse. Jesus met the woman at the well of Samaria. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, Thou wouldest have asked of me of him, and he would have given thee living water. Amen. Is that a great text? Amen. <laughs> well, isn't that pre- aren't those precious words, woman? If you knew who you were talking to, you'd be asking me for water. I've just asked you for water, but before you got me a drink, you'd be asking me for living water. Mm-hmm. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'll walk in the Spirit, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water is the testimony of the Word of God. Pray for those in authority the Bible tells us to. We can even pray for the peace of Babylon. You want to call our nation a God-forsaken Babylon? Then pray for the peace of Babylon according to Jeremiah 29.7. Pray for all those in authority. But you know what I want us mostly to pray for? And son, I don't want to run down that list anymore. I want us to pray for holiness and godliness with God revealing our sins. I want us to pray for personal revival to where we are drawn, we are drawing nigh to God and He is drawing nigh to us. And we are walking with Him and living with Him and praying in the Holy Ghost. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to live the fruit of the Spirit, to pray in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. That should be our chief prayer. To have a close communion with God and a holiness and a bond and a unity and a love and affection for Him greater than we've ever had before. And for him to be found of us and for us to be found of him. Search me, O God. I've said it already once, but I want to say it again because that's what I think we ought to be praying for chiefly. Search me, O God, 
and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. And the way everlasting ought to be more important to us than any other way, thing, or idea in our whole lives. Last point I want to make. Little tiny verse. First Thessalonians 5 not a tiny point. So don't hold me to that. It's a tiny verse. First Thessalonians 5.17 Pray without ceasing. I've already taught it to you this morning. Do you remember what example it was? Jacob. Pray without ceasing. How long did he wrestle with that with the Lord? All night long. Just before the break of day, did it look like he was making progress? The Lord touched his thigh and put his thigh out of joint. The strongest muscle in your body out of joint in a wrestling match? Things don't look good. Did Jacob let go? He prayed without ceasing. When the Lord said, I need to go, what did he say? I won't let you go until you bless me. That's praying without ceasing. Ceasing is when we quit. You quit for two reasons. It's very simple. You don't believe. You give up. You've prayed for three days, and the Lord hasn't brought you a husband. And I'm don't feel, I'm not picking on anyone. I'm just using three days. You've prayed for three days. And you don't. You say I've been praying for five years. Well, maybe it's three a.m. in the morning, and you're about to get your thigh put out of joint. Are you going to quit, or are you going to hold on and say, hold on. "I'm not going to let you go until you bless me"? Right. We quit for two reasons. We disbelieve. We have prayed several times. We haven't got the answer that we wanted in the way we wanted it, the time we wanted it, and so we don't believe that God's going to answer our prayer, so we quit. Or we allow sin into our life, and we get into the flesh, and the Spirit is no longer encouraging us and helping us in prayer, and we just feel like prayer is a dull, dead habit, so we don't do it. Disbelief, walking in the flesh. Two great hindrances to prayer. They destroy prayer. If you're walking in the Spirit, the Spirit is always going to be encouraging you to pray. When a person is walking in the Spirit, they are automatically praying. It's part of being in the Spirit, because the Spirit wants you to pray. And His voice is the loudest. Instead of the flesh, you will be praying. And if you're a man of faith or a woman of faith, you'll pray because you're not going to give up, because you know God will answer your prayers. Amen. You believe it completely, without a doubt. Amen. In the Bible, we have a couple of examples. Do we have an example of an unjust judge? Yes. Right. Did a widow woman need to be avenged? Yes. Did she come to the judge? Yes. Did he fear God? Nope. Did he fear man? No. Nope. Did he worry about widows? Nope. No. Did she come another day? Yes. And, and again? Yes. And again? Yes. And again? Yes. What did the unjust judge say? This is the Lord's word. Hear what the unjust judge said. I don't fear God. I don't fear man. And I don't care about this widow. But she's going to drive me crazy by coming every day. So I'm going to avenge her. Right. And Jesus Christ of Nazareth said, Hear what the unjust judge says. Because that is your father in heaven from a different perspective. If you will keep coming, your father cannot deny you. Even if he's got to get rid of, get rid of you. 
in the sense of that illustration that Jesus Christ gave, He will answer your prayer. But if you quit, the unjust judge says to the secretary, she didn't come today? No, Your Honor, she didn't come today. Oh, good. I was just about to do something for her. When the Lord touched the thigh of Jacob and put it at a joint, was that the time to get discouraged? Or was that the time to know that if you held on for just a few minutes longer, the blessing was just around the corner? Do you follow that? If you quit, the unjust judge is off the hook. Then you got to start all over again. Because he's not going to, you know, you got to build up that coming day after day after day again. Don't give up. That's why it says pray without ceasing. It says continuing. Instant in prayers. Instant means fervent. But look at the first word in Romans 12, 12. Continuing. How about when a man's in bed with his children and his friend next door has some visitors come and they need to eat and he doesn't have enough food because he forgot to go to the grocery store that day. So he comes to your door and he knocks and he keeps on beating on that door. And you yell out, I'm in bed with my children. And you know what it's, you know what the Lord Jesus Christ said? The man will not get up and help out his neighbor. This particular, this particular illustration, the man is not going to get up and help his neighbor because he cares about his neighbor because the bed is just too cuddly and comfortable for him. But he will get up and give him bread. Do you know why? Because that neighbor just keeps standing there at the door, beating on it. And there is no peace in any bed when someone's beating on your door. We've all been there, right? Isn't that a great illustration? Does the Lord make it easy for us? Amen. Is that this man will not get up out of love for his neighbor because his bed's too comfortable, but he will get up because that knocking is driving me crazy. And it's called, it's a, it's a word, importunity. Amen. Importunate means to be insistent, pressing, urgent, without giving up. I'm Irritating. Importunity is why he got up. I read about a little Syrophoenician woman that came to Jesus Christ. You know the story? Amen. Gentile woman. Discouraged in every way. But did she give up? No. How about when he called her a dog? Is that precious? Do you have, an, do you have enough faith to be that woman? Was she blessed? Amen. Did she get her petitions? That's a, that's a woman of faith. We can do that, brethren. We can do this. We can pray without ceasing. We can wrestle with God, and we should start with spiritual blessings for our lives to be filled with power, joy, peace, and holiness in the Holy Ghost. And start with those. And if He sees us praying for things like that, do you know what words He's going to have for us? The same words He had for Solomon. Because you've asked for these things, and you haven't asked for these over here, I'll go ahead and add them on top. And if he doesn't, I don't care. He doesn't owe that any of that to us. But he's told us that if we'll seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will add those things to us. You know how precious prayer is that we've talked about today? The psalmist would say, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Prayer is so precious that you get to go right into the throne room of God as a man and talk with God Almighty. And if you're a real prayer warrior, 
you can prevail and be a prince with God. I, I beg, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that there will be in this congregation, I beseech you and exhort you that there will be some men and women that want to be princes and princesses with God and deserve a name change. Israel. Because you've had power with God and you've prevailed. That's my prayer. And I pray that the Lord will bless us to keep this conviction and that we will greatly esteem our opportunity to go to prayer with the Lord, that it's not a dead chore or something we have to do, but a great privilege and an honor that we get to humble ourselves before him under his mighty hand and to know that he's going to look down, he sees and he hears and he exalts in due time. May the Lord bless us to be an exalted congregation in due time with some praying, Amen. some powerful praying. Right. Please stand with me.